0: Mike. Party baby <laughs>
1: Support you've gotten from your your blind, arguably loyalty to the Democratic Party um, for uh, for the last couple of generations. Let's let's talk about some things that we Republicans uh, believe uh, could make life better for some of you, um, and and we hope you'll think about it and give us give us a shot. That's not what he said, of course. What he said was in effect, a blanket statement about how for all of you you're surrounded by crime and poor educational opportunities. Um, the Democrats have completely failed you. It's a total, total gross overstatement. Now, so I maintain, and I said this last week, that I don't think his target is particularly African-Americans, that he thinks he can get uh, some group of African-Americans or, or some significant number, maybe a few. Sure, fine. But for me, the, 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 the target of these kind of comments is to white suburban women who, who powerfully dislike uh, Donald Trump and some of his ideas, some of the, the, the racist sentiments um, that he has continually utilized, and to sort of say, hey, I care about everybody. I care about African-Americans. I care about Hispanics. I even care about a few Muslims, although not very many. Um, and and uh, the, the kind of the shifting that appears to be going on in, in his immigration position, particularly the question of whether all uh, 11 million or so um, uh, undocumented illegals, pick your term, who are here would have to go would have to go home. I don't think his target is the these racial minorities. I think his target is to try to to, to go after this large group of white voters, particularly women and and better educated, uh, sad to say, um, uh, uh, men and women, uh, to to make him sound not so narrow minded, not so ugly. Um, uh, not not uh, not so racist.
2: But
1: the result is a really not. ugly back but, and but, forth.
2: But, but, but here's the thing about this, Congressman Al, go ahead.
3: <clears throat> I think that the racist part about it is he's 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 going after the white vote. That's what you said, but I want to say it stronger. He is, I think, specifically going after uh, whites who don't like the minorities that he's attacking. Uh, and, uh, it, 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 and he's
1: and already he's got them out. Yeah, yeah. he's it got them not a problem. He's now.
3: trying to broaden it, I think.
2: Denise Kraft. Or deepen it. Yeah, it would be, or solidify it, however you want to call it. Denise crap.
4: It seems like he, was using his, or he is using a tactic he used on his uh, television program where he pits people off against one another, you know, to make sure that you don't get fired, you may not stab somebody else in the back. And he's using that type of... You know, one group versus another group so that, you know, one tries to get ahead. And and while I think that obviously earned him some really good ratings on television, it's not going to work in the real world. I mean, and it's not going to work because it's this just general dislike that Allen highlighted.
5: I mean, even when he was, John Allen, when he first said he was going to do some outreach and did his first speech on this, he basically said to the black community, the Hispanics that I want to throw out of the country are taking your jobs. I mean, that was part of his speech. Right. But was, I mean, it's not even like a little bit, there's no dog whistle, there's no subtlety, and that's why it's not, I think it's not going to work with educated whites who are Republican, who might otherwise vote not for Donald Trump, because they're going. smart enough to know what's going on. But
2: John, on. this is not his base. I mean, when you look at his base, his base is the undereducated white Male Midwestern Americans, lunch bill Americans, that are buying into the apathy or the disenfranchisement of the fact that he says, "Look, they're taking your jobs. These are not jobs that these people want."
5: Are the jobs? The they whole take. point. The whole point, though, is, well, first of all, nobody thinks about it like that. I mean, I shouldn't say nobody does, but I don't think people. are So my argument is a pink unicorn politically. I think so. I I think the idea of but welcome fear about I think I fear about the employment of another group versus your group is one that's steeped in American history. But I but I do think that he is trying to go outside of the space and as Dan said, it's not that he's trying to he said and I think Alan said he's not trying to go after African American or Hispanic voters. He's trying to make white people Feel like he's not racist, so they feel a little bit better about voting for him. I, and I don't mean all white people. I mean his base. No, I mean no, no. outside of his base. But the important thing for him is going to be right now how how much he's losing suburban white areas outside Philadelphia, outside of uh, outside of Columbus, Ohio,
3: in these swing areas. He's trying to make it okay to vote for him. I think he's even worse than that, I, I think essentially what he's doing is he's is he saying. Make America white again. That you think is a hidden message that he's doing? Make America great again. Make him. And one of the ways you do it is, is make it white again. But but he's 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 using people people groups that have been perceived as threats to a certain group of white people, and I think he's uh, trying to just say I'll fix that.
2: But Dan Lipner, I mean. The the group that Al is describing is an an absolutely new term that I've heard, this term alt-right, alternative right side of the faction. It it is, in fact, Donald Trump playing into the non-alt-right, which the alt-right seems to be his base. This is contrary to Breitbart, contrary to uh, a lot of, where the middle-of-the-road independent white voters are going to buy into, or am I, mis- I misled on
0: that? Well, I, I disagree with you calling Breitbart middle-of-the-road. No, 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 no. no I'm talking, I'm saying Breitbart's all right. Okay, yeah. Okay. yeah.
5: You mean all white? Oh, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, we can do that, too. No, I mean, the history of this goes back a long way. Uh, back when when Johnson uh, signed the Bill the Rights Act and the Voting Rights Act, he, he, he very famously said to one of his aides, this is going to cost me the South for a generation. And he looked at his aides and said, yeah, but it's still the right thing to do. In fact, he was wrong. It wasn't one generation. or at least into two, possibly three. Uh, racism is a real, real thing and alive and well in this country, unfortunately. And while Donald Trump's campaign, I'm trying to remember where it was, somebody correctly pointed out, started off as economic populism. Unfortunately, that economic populism has morphed into the ugliness of racism in this country. And those people that have been the loudest to shout, and since Donald Trump seems to feed off those loud shouts in front of them, the people that show up at his rallies, punch a minority if they show up at one of those rallies and dare speak up in protest, um, that his campaign has morphed into it. I don't think that's where Donald Trump started. But Donald Trump is gladly willing to play into where the loudest voices cheer him on. And that is the ugliness that has been part of American history for a while.
2: John Allen, do you agree with Dan that, that this is warped, that Donald Trump never thought that this would warp into a race card issue at the time that he comes out and announces his presidency and calls Mexicans rapists and murderers?
5: I think it's the most charitable possible view that you could have of Donald Trump. And his message and who his supporters are. Um, I think that if you go back and, and the New York Times just dug through uh, the history of his development company and his father's development company and them denying uh, rental applications to people based on their skin color, uh, this is something that's pretty deep-seated in Donald Trump. Uh, and he may have figured out a way in polite company over the years to not make it clear, you know, on television. But now that he's running a political campaign and taking I think he has revealed to us, as all presidential candidates do, who he really is. But,
2: but Admiral Ken, that being the case,
6: when we see
2: the black pastors that surround Donald Trump right now, the black pastors that are surrogates to the African-American community in the media and in public, how do they justify standing side by side on a campaign that is questionably – Designed to get the angry, disenfranchised white Americans on board. The
7: check cleared. Well, that's one aspect. I, I, I don't I don't know if it'd be possible for me to put my 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 mind or my head inside of inside of what Pastor Baker, for example. Yeah, I don't know if it's possible for me to get my head inside of what makes these guys tick. But what I will, what I, what, I will, what I will tell you is that throughout the history. Of black people in this country, there's always been a group that has always kind of, you know, fallen in line with the the guy saying the most counter and, uh, uh, and the most ultra racist thing you could possibly imagine. If you go back to the history of slaves in this country, there were always people that that that, that the uh, the slave owners could could turn to within the black within the black community uh, that they could count on to basically oppress the others. Um, there's always been that counter voice. And I've said it on the show before. The thing that concerns me the most is I've been a voting, uh, a voting Republican as an African-American for the better part of the last 35 years. You know, I have, I have made some of the arguments that I'm hearing coming out of Trump's mouth although in a much more articulate manner than he's done it. Uh, <laughs> but he's got the best word. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and, and hopefully not as, in ne- not nearly in, uh, in, in a, uh, as offensively as he's done it. The fact of the matter is, I think one of the things that makes Donald Trump really good at, at what he has done as a showman, he, he takes an ounce of truth and he basically takes it and bends it to, 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 to match his message and true. do I think that the, that, that the, that the African Americans allegiance
6: to the Democratic
7: Party um, has, has, has turned out nearly as well as it should have over the last 35 or 40 years? No, I don't. Do I believe that there's some gains to be made uh, if they look outside the party for, for, for change? Yeah, I do. But this year, This year, I don't think I'd be able to see that. But,
4: Alan Moore, it
2: it seems to me that there is an inherent hypocrisy in the message that Donald Trump is putting out, particularly to the minority community that he's trying to outreach to. When you hear him talk, he's used words like the party of Lincoln. He's used words like the Republican Party is all-inclusive. But that message gets lost in some of the Alternative comments that are getting the headlines right now. Is this a campaign that can switch mid game to bring those voters back in? You
1: know, who knows? I'm a little I'm a little uncomfortable simply branding him as anti African American. It's very easy to say. He was anti-Hispanic. It was very easy to say he was anti-Muslim. As, as John correctly pointed out, he made this, this divisive kind of ugly move towards African-Americans earlier when he said these illegal uh, immigrants are taking your jobs. And there, there is certainly uh, uh, a sense in, in poorer communities no matter what the race that the illegals are coming in undercutting jobs do, doing work for uh, uh, d- depressing wages um, and so notwithstanding the fact that his, his father uh, clearly was, was, uh, was sued and had these patterns um, of not renting to uh, African Americans. I'm not sure how much Donald Trump himself was associated. I don't want to. I don't want to uh, lay the sins of the father. he was. And HUD censored him. Uh, uh, censored him. Um, so I've only they censored him.
5: Well, <laughs> so you know, I I don't.
1: It, 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 I'm not here to defend Donald Trump. God knows, because I have I have trashed him up one side and down the other for the the things he says, for his incaution, for his incuriousness, for his ignorance. Um, uh, but, but what I have observed in this campaign is is, is this this from the get-go uh, anti his anti Hispanic slash illegal immigrant uh, uh, message, and, and then of course the the, the, the famous uh, uh, anti-Muslim stuff, um, he would like to pick some of these people up. We saw it just last week as he was sort of wrestling with his immigration position of saying he's heard from people talking about the hardships that would occur if people who have been here for 15 or 20 years minded their own business, observed the law, have families here, had to be disrupted, and he wants to be, quote, fair. And that, of course, fed the narrative that, hey, he's shifting. He's sounding, he's beginning to sound like uh, like, like Jeb Bush. Right. And then he kind of doubled down again, and tomorrow he'll give a speech, and we'll find out, hopefully, where he yeah. really, well, where he is, because we don't know right Denise now. Denise Yeah, you know, uh, the
4: National Park Service, and, and there is a reason I'm bringing to the National Park Service, is uh, celebrating its 100th anniversary uh, this year. And folks, if you get a chance, go to Springfield, Illinois. uh, And I say go to to, uh, Springfield, Illinois, because that's the home of Abraham Lincoln. So when Donald Trump says that he is representing the party of Lincoln, it's good to get a little refresher on what the party of Lincoln was and how the party of Lincoln was created. The party of Lincoln was created because of the work Abraham Lincoln did for 10 years prior to 1860 in getting elected. The work he did was to stop slavery. The work he did was to make sure that African Americans and Caucasians in the United States were equal. So if Donald Trump wants to claim that he represents the party of Lincoln, Donald Trump is living in an alternative universe and obviously failed at least one American history class. But, but, but John Allen, it,
2: it, it does call into question, though, the, the mindset. How does the RNC and Wrights previous who have been trying since the failure of 2012, turn around and say, okay, you having a problem
6: there, John? <laughs>
2: <laughs> How does Rank Priebus and the RNC turn around and say, look, you know, we've got to fix the disenfranchisement that we did with gays, with uh, the LGBT community, with uh, African Americans, Hispanics. There seems to be a breakdown in the actual invoking of bringing those parties back into the
5: RNC versus what we're seeing in the Trump campaign. We saw this in the last campaign. There was an autopsy after the 2012 campaign. And the smart Republican leaders in Washington DC said, we've got to expand our tent in order to win, in order to have a a party that's not, uh, you know, basically they wanted a change on immigration policy. And they were like, we're going to find a way to appeal, you know, not getting away from our values, but find a way to appeal to minorities. and the reaction of the rest of the Republican Party out in the states was, "Screw you! We want Trump." I mean, there—I I don't know how else to put it. It's—I think it's sad because I think we. Need but it
2: seems—it seems to me that the that the RNC took the post-mortem from 2012
5: and just threw it away. I don't think the RNC did it. I think the Republican Party voters did it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and Absolutely. I should also say the Republican Party primary voters. Uh, a Which the of them, It's a, small, it's a small percentage of the party. It's a small percentage of the party, but if you look at polling right now, three quarters of the party is still saying, like, Hey, I'm with Trump. I, the speech that Hillary Clinton made, that Dan was talking about earlier, about the alt right, was basically an attempt to say it's illegitimate to vote for Donald Trump. If you stand for X values, you know, basically, you can't vote for Donald Trump. Okay. And she looked to fight the battleground among educated whites basically and say this isn't who you want to be. That's terrible turf for Donald Trump to be on. Dan,
2: Dan Lipner. Hi, let me
7: grab
6: okay, good job.
7: Admiral Ken Caritas. Uh, adding, adding to what to was what saying, okay, so White's previous, you know, is, is is the chair of the party. Oh. What, what, what's, what's he, what was he going to do? I mean, his primary voters picked this person, you know, to, to, to represent the party. You know he as you know we don't work the way that the Democrats work with the superdelegates delegates not, and that and that stuff. So you know he won. You know he might not have won on the one, but this is this is this is the game he's got he's got to play. Dan Lipner. So the point that I was going to make, now that I recall it was uh, the
0: the issue isn't the strength of the Republican Party. The issue is the strength of Fox News and conservative talk radio. That that strength far outweighs all of the collective powers of every elected Republican in, in Washington or the RNC, because you have these factions that are stirring up, using illegitimate false information, mind you, but still riling up the worst instincts of people who like to identify themselves as Republicans and conservatives. That post-mortem after 2012, not only was not read by the folks I've mentioned, But the odds of them even knowing something like that exists, other than from the intellectual elite that Republican or Democrat, they would want nothing to do with anyway. So there is that beast. And unless you are confronting it with the full strength of everything you have in the Republican Party, it's impossible to beat it. And even then with it, it might not be possible to beat it. But
2: but on the flip side, we've talked about Donald Trump and the race card played by the Trump campaign. The accusation coming from Republicans and from the Trump campaign is that Hillary has not only pandered but over-pandered to the minority, cam- to the minority camps to bring her and make them solid, not only not Republican, but not Trump. Is that effective, Congresswoman? Sure. Is it fair? <clears throat>
3: Almost anything you do in this election that will weaken Donald Trump is fair, because what he is doing In trying to win the election, there's nothing fair about that at all.
7: Go ahead, Admiral Ken. Uh, I, you know, I be, being muted to the to the to the, uh, the, the
3: the philosophies and
7: the practices of, of big big politics. You know, the, neat, the thing that I can say right now is I think that for Donald Trump to think that his accusations of Hillary Clinton being a bigot, I, I don't think they're going to, they're going to go very far. I, I just don't. I mean, that, that, that is not going to, that's not going to work.
1: Alan yeah. Moore. Fair, they,
7: you know, it's, it's a lot more. Yeah. Alan yeah. Moore. Yeah,
1: yeah. Fair never matters. Yeah. Um, uh, it, it just doesn't ever seem to resonate. Um, uh, and one can argue that there's all sorts of things that are unfair, uh, mm-hmm. e- e- either party every election. Um, particularly presidential ones in recent years. So uh, but ha- having said that, what 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 is really amazing is when we, 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 we <laughs> we're pretty critical universally around this table uh, towards uh, Donald Trump. Um, sometimes there's a tendency to overreach in our criticism. The same could be said in the case of Hillary Clinton. My God, this woman has made. Uh, a good number of mistakes, and she uh, uh, has this trust issue that um, would normally be devastating to a political candidate in a normal cycle, except that Trump is trusted even less. Now, mistake after mistake, ugly comment, ignorant comment, Uh, after one after another from Trump that appalls all of us and many others around the country leads to a result right now where Hillary Clinton is the most unpopular leading party candidate uh, perhaps in the history of the country with the exception of Donald Trump and her lead nationally over him and it that's an interesting figure, but state by state is what matters more is remarkably modest. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of undecideds out there, which again, I think is why Donald (coughs) Trump is trying to say, I'm not quite as crazy or nasty, as ugly as you think. His core is not going to abandon him. Even if he says, you know, here's why we're not going to try to, to, to send 11 million uh, uh, undocumented uh, uh, persons back to their home country to re- reconsider whether to let them in That's they're not going to abandon him and his wall that Mexico will pay for and we know he's not going to abandon either of those two things because they have painted Hillary Clinton as someone who has no standards which is not true uh, who would open throw the doors wide open and let anyone in without any vetting? Doesn't happen to be true. but oh, that's' the argument that that that, that he's going to use. Sure. but but her trust issue is at the core, I think uh, the, the trust issue and the hatred that many Republicans and a
5: scary number of Democrats feel towards her. Wow, John Allen. If you put all of his pieces together, it's basically the argument is that the Democrats or Hillary Clinton would open the borders for people who are going to take your job, whether you're white or black or whatever, maybe Hispanic and been here for a couple of generations. We're going to take your jobs, create crime. Remember, the first thing he said was Mexicans are rapists and drug dealers, uh, and you're not going to have a gun to shoot them. That's the that is the entirety of Donald Trump's. Philosophy of governance. You, let, well, you
1: left out one piece: the jobs that aren't stolen from you at home, we're going to give away
5: to the Chinese. Yeah, true. I mean, I don't care what the polls say right now. I mean, they've narrowed some of them. Have I mean, narrowed I mean,
2: Hillary's got a problem. Hillary's gone from a 13 to 14 percent gap now down to seven as of the latest polls I've seen this
0: week. First of all, that's no, not no, a problem. It's no, also not entirely true. They start adding Gary
5: Johnson into the mix. It's just not a problem. seven-point lead is, is enormous in, in a presidential election at this point. Look, number one, that. Number two, Donald Trump has not put together a ground in any of these states. There are hundreds of Clinton people in each of the main battlegrounds where she thinks it's even going to be competitive. They're not going to have to fight that hard for Virginia, for Colorado, probably for Pennsylvania. If you look at the electoral map right now, You look at the polling, and I believe the polling understates her advantage because she's doing field operation and he's not, maybe by a point or two, not like a huge amount. If you look at those states, right now she has 272 electoral votes, and you could pretty much say leans Democrat, and then there are 112 that are toss-ups. So you basically look at, for her, you're looking at somewhere between, unless you have further recession, somewhere between 272 and, you know, do the math on that, about yeah, 388 electoral votes that you're looking at right now. Donald Trump needs an earthquake in this campaign that would reset the way that we all think about. Oh, a major national security event.
2: Which is something I want to bring up, because one of the concerns, I've talked to a couple of people inside the Hillary campaign, Dan Lipner, and their biggest concern right now is that there is, in late October, a national security event that happens that would throw – it all into turmoil and make it all for naught. Now, God forbid that happens. Is that a legitimate concern for the Democrats?
0: Absolutely. Um, of things that I've I've been talking about this since Trump was clearly going to be the Trump nominee and now the nominee. The only thing that actually scares me that gets him a shot of winning is some kind of something blowing up domestically that can be credited to foreign. Foreign parties in some way, shape, or form, Americans, we have proven repeatedly, we do not respond well or thoughtfully to those kinds of events.
2: You know, i got got to tell you, on that subject, it was just last night I was talking to uh, one of the uh, national security folks that advises the campaign, and I I told him, I said, "The, the one thing I have not heard out of Hillary's camp is the fact that they don't have a, in case of emergency, break glass contingency plan, they got the ammo. They got a letter of 50 national security leaders, including two former, two former, or three former uh, uh, homeland security uh, homeland security secretaries, uh, several national intelligence leaders. They've got that list of 50 that would automatically come up and say, "Look, don't be fooled. Hillary is still the best bet for us to get through this time of national preparedness." But they they don't have that. Why are they discounted that?
0: No, they they haven't discounted it. It's incorrect entirely. There's actually been criticism from the left of how hawkish the DNC was. And in part, A, Hillary's not a dove by any stretch of the imagination, her own record, regardless of this presidential campaign. But that was clearly an attempt to inoculate or as best as possible inoculate against such an event saying look at all these people and by the way that's me sitting there when bin laden got killed sitting there watching this in real time the trying to build those credentials up as high as possible since it is just a democratic weakness regardless of who the nominee is it's a democratic weakness so she's done everything possible to inoculate there he's correct
4: is an interesting word, Uh, sort of like you know being prepared in case something were to happen. I'd argue that if something does happen, the automatic response is that she does have that knowledge. I mean, she is a former Secretary of State, as Dan said. She sat there and watched while Bin Laden. But she, but she represents a party that has a huge gap
6: in trust. Denise, look at
2: the numbers. The numbers are, if you look at who has the best policy and the best uh, public view of how they handle national security the gop beats
4: the dems yes, the gop by under george verse 1 and george you're, you're 2 the gop under donald trump is saying i like the russians i like you know every one of the folks they consistently fought against
5: she also so there's smartly, no way. she also smartly did not defend herself in the democratic party against the charge that she was too hawkish she took hits in the Democratic Party yes, for that. And for the same reason in two thousand eight she didn't do that. And it cost her and she lost the nomination and maybe lost the presidency and she'd been nominated. Uh, but it's right now that's the reason that it looks really but, smart. Whatever yeah. who she is, by the way. But Emma's yeah, this is not true. this
0: is not a waffling kind of thing. She's clear she's, she's, she's she she is hawkish. I'm uncomfortable calling her hawk, but also but to your point, Justin, all this credibility stuff. For as Alan constantly likes uh, to point out, the low-information voters, when something bad happens, people aren't their first knee-jerk response isn't something thoughtful. Their first knee-jerk response is, "I want to kick ass." And unfortunately, the Daddy Party, which is the Republican Party, is the first person that, first place that people go to. When other things of distress hit, hit the country, such as economics, when people are actually hungry and afraid they're going to lose their house, people tend to look Democratic. That has been true for at least my lifetime, and probably more than that. But, but Congressman Al, the reality
2: still dictates is the Democrats have a national credibility problem when it comes to dealing with national security in the eyes of the general electorate. Is, is this something that over the next few weeks or over the next month of, of campaigning, the Democrats and Hillary Clinton can put her... Bonafini's down about how good she was in dealing with foreign affairs and national security?
3: First of all, I think you're, you're correct that the Democrats, uh, for as long as I can remember, <clears throat> had a weakness on national security. Whether it's deserved or not is another debate, but it's there. Uh, it seems to me that, that Hillary's smart thing to do would be, one, hope that nothing happens, During the campaign that would raise this Okay And two, if in fact it does happen She's got to be the first one in With a tough line And she should I hope she's got that in
5: her hip pocket right now
2: John Allen, would that affect her base If she does do that?
5: No No? No, I think think if you're a Democrat You're you're pretty much voting for Hillary Clinton Come hell or high water this year yeah. This is an attempt this is to is a more unified Democratic Party than it was in 2008. Wow. I okay. Guess. Interesting point. Interesting point.
2: Admiral yeah, Kennedy, I would add
5: that you know,
7: the, if you're going to vote for Hillary right now, you're going to vote for Hillary. If you're going to vote for Trump, it doesn't matter whether, to Trump's words, he goes and he shoots somebody in Times Square, people are still going to vote for him. I mean, that's just the way it's going to happen. Right. With regard to the, the national security bona fides, I find it interesting, and I agree with the observation that the Republican Party... Has kind of held a mantle on that um, at least in most of my lifetime. It's really kind of interesting. MDR was a Democrat. <laughs> I mean, I mean, he won World War Two, and so well, uh,
2: I mean, you can go back and say it was Harry Truman that ended the war. Yeah, but, a
7: Democrat who was very hard. But 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 the point is the truth is clear. Right? Yeah, yeah, but, the, yeah. But, <laughs> but, yeah. But, could somebody died. But but the point the point that I'm making here is that you know these days I, I really think that 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 the conventional method of looking at this really is kind of out. Kind of out the window. Uh, I don't. I don't sit as I'm sitting here right now. I don't have any concerns over Hillary Clinton's hawkishness. I really don't. Okay, and do I think. And I think. And I think to your point, uh, to, to to Congressman Al's point. If God forbid something happens, you know she can't sit back. She can't sit back and and, and wait. She's got to be Are, first. Actually, there, there is something that, wait, that.
2: Well, hold on, hold on. I want to ask Admiral Ken. Are the military and veterans community. Fully prepared to back Hillary on those bona fides, when traditionally that has been a
7: Republican base that they've in, in, never lost. Interesting question. So Friday, Friday morning, as I was landing uh, in my hometown, I got a phone call from uh, the, the flag officer that's, that's leading the uh, the the, uh, the group of folks that are uh, uh, general general and other flag officers that are backing Hillary Clinton to see if I would uh, I would uh, add my name to the list. That list is big, it's growing, it is and it is considerable. And I have not, uh, I have not reached a decision or what do about it yet. Interesting. Yeah.
3: So
2: that does exist. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, there's news that's coming out. That's good to know. We have to tweak that at the break. <laughs> Speaking of the break, uh, kind of a modified show today because your moderator screwed the pooch today. But we're going to take a quick and the break. The pooch did
0: not enjoy it. Put <laughs> <laughs> it
6: one on where.
2: I'm so glad I bring you guys to entertainment. Yeah, we're gonna take a we're gonna take a quick break. We're gonna we're gonna regroup. But when we come back again, the race card's still up on the table. Uh, we're gonna talk a little bit about Colin Kaepernick and the, the quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers and his quote unquote political statement. We'll talk about that in three minutes. This is backroom politics live from Shelley's backroom, 1331 F Street, in the heart of our nation's capital, Washington D.C. Stay with us. You know, Shelly's Backroom has been hosting Backroom Politics for seven years. Seven years! It's still unbelievable we've been doing it that long. But make no mistake about it, Shelly's Backroom is one of a kind in Washington, D.C. Shelly's is a comfortable retreat for cigar aficionados and those who simply want to unwind. The casual but elegant space features soft lighting, cozy couches, and overstuffed chairs. Shelly's Backroom is a cigar-friendly establishment, but the -the state-of-the-art air purification system keeps the atmosphere comfortable for smokers and non-smokers alike.
7: Sit back and
2: enjoy yourself while chatting with friends or watching one of the eight high-definition TVs, or come by any Tuesday, enjoy your favorite cigar or one of the signature cocktails, and watch how Backroom Politics is made. Convenient to be into public transportation and the sites of the nation's capital, Shelley's is easily dividable to accommodate intimate gatherings or large-scale special events. Shelley's back room, 1331 F Street, in the heart of our nation's capital, Washington D.C., as Bob says, it's the place to be.
6: Hi. And we're back here live at
2: Shelley's Back Room, 1331 F Street in the heart of our nation's capital, Washington, D.C. This is the best political talk show you've never heard of. It is Backroom Politics, live on blog talk radio. Uh, if you want to join the conversation, you can call us 657 419. I'm venturing to say, since we have the broken show today, we probably won't get a lot of this, but I'm still told i got to throw it out there. Hey, uh, we're going to talk again, race you still being up on, on, on the deck here. Uh, Growing stories coming out of San Francisco. Uh, San Francisco uh, 49ers quarterback Colin Kaepernick uh, last weekend during the national anthem in their preseason game refused to stand for the national anthem. When questioned about it, he he said, and again not a quote, but I'm paraphrasing, that he could not stand for a national anthem and salute a flag that represents a country that oppresses people of color and race. It is now drawn into a big political controversy. Donald Trump has chimed in, saying that uh, he should go find a, another country that he thinks is better. He won't find it, unquote. Uh, the Hillary camp has been largely silent on the issue. have not seen a big uh, uh, stance come out on that, but it has drawn a lot of controversy um, the, the one question i have is uh alan moore does colin kaepernick's not standing for the national anthem and him making the comments he did post game is this a patriotic statement or is this just exacerbate an already sensitive race issue in this country
1: well, it's a mixed bag. It, it's not. Uh, it's not unpatriotic to exercise your constitutional right to to uh, to free speech, and this is a form of speech um, when he simply refuses or declines to stand. Not for the first time, by the way. This is the third straight game where he has uh, not stood. Right. And but at this time the attention was called. His problem is that he has a contract. It will pay him a hundred million dollars. He makes eleven million dollars a year, and and uh, he is somebody who has, in this uh, oppressive uh, society that 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 so upsets him, um, he has done remarkably well, standing for principle. You know, we can all respect that. On the one hand, on the other hand, when you make ten million dollars, eleven million dollars a year, it it it's it, it, it there. It creates a lot of confusion, it seems to me, uh, on the part of the uh, on the part of the public. And he has to be a. I don't know what he's what's going to get him off of this uh, this ledge, if you will. And he's going to have to deal with an enormous amount of blowback and criticism. Congressman, now first, because he'll forget yeah. it. Well, that's <laughs> great.
3: Nice. I just forgot it. No, if if, if the privileged minorities won't stand up for the underprivileged minorities who the hell's going to uh the fact that he's making a lot of money doesn't seem to me that that, that in any way moderates his first amendment rights denise Crap, and he has
4: first amendment rights um you know i when the story came out i, I, I thought about it you know i was like you know Put on the uniform, which I did, like you, and I wore it for four years. Um, and, you know, and I thought it was, you know how, how do I feel about it? Um,
5: military, not
4: football. Right. right. No, I'm not right. uh, right. yeah. um You know, I, I was raised to salute the flag by my father, and I saluted proudly for four years. Um, but I saluted the flag for what the ideals, the flag stood for, and those ideals include freedom of speech. There are less countries in this world that don't give us or don't give people that ability. Am I children with what's coming out of his mouth? No, I'm not. But do I recognize that it is a um, a right in our country to have that right? Yeah, and I want to preserve it.
1: Dan, Lipner, And who doesn't? Well, I'm, I mean, right. I'm certainly not saying we should take it away. No, I'm, I'm saying I think he's he's uh, playing with fire here, and he's got an enormous number of, of, of fans who are going to be Haters. Well, there's, of there's another aspect so of this I, I want to. Tell. I admire his gutsiness, uh, and and certainly defend his right. Um, I don't know what he's trying to achieve, though. What he's trying to get right. from the society, because this was a this was a a, a statement against the country, not against particular people. Right. Well, they, what
2: about
3: the two guys at the uh, Olympics?
1: A number of years ago.
2: In the 72 Olympics in Munich. Uh, no, 68. 68,
3: 68, 68, 68, 68. 68, 68. 68. You're right. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I don't know that anything one terrible happened to them. And two, I don't. They got their the medals, people. didn't they, they? got their medals taken away by the U.S. Olympic, Olympic Committee. Yeah, uh, but, but,
1: here's, but, here's, but here's the much thing about it. The but, it. But
6: here's the thing about it, <laughs> though. Or the no, U.S. U.S. But you know, they, they
0: were vilified. So, so the, a couple time. things. A, this, is, this isn't 68. The country has changed significantly since then. Not as much as as many would like, but the country has changed
3: significantly since then.
0: Um, and if you, there, there's a great piece by Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. It was in today's Washington Post. I'm sure it was in other papers as well. And he actually contrasted uh, two athletes. Both and he compared he compared them both as patriots, but also contrasted their actions. One of which was Kaepernick uh, staying seated during the national anthem, and the other was uh, the I want to say army lieutenant who is actually in the Olympics for the pole vault. The, the the American national anthem started playing while he was in his run uh, for for the competition, and he immediately stops, as anyone who's worn the uniform knows you should, and stops his run, drops his pole, turns to stand and sh- show proper respect for the American flag and the national anthem. And Kareem's point was that these are both patriots. My issue with Catherine <clears throat> is that him taking a stance against the the flag and the country as a whole is now incorrect. Consistently, when there is a problem that occurs, whether or not it's in Baltimore, Ferguson, someplace in South Carolina, pick the spot in the country. It is the federal government. It is the US Department of Justice, with the protection of, of not only the United States Constitution, but laws that people have fought for decades to get into place to fight, to rectify those wrongs that is called upon. If anything, it is the American flag that is used as the club to beat down those that wrongdoing. And his approach, while I respect that there was a need for that argument and there are ways to do it, how he has managed to do it is with such a broad brush that has made more difficult people who are fighting and have fought within the country and for the country going forward. It's now turned into noise and it's going to make life harder. But there's there's,
2: there's the aspect of it. I've talked to some sports journalists that say that, you know, his position is clouded by the fact that this is a quarterback who has not performed well, has been out of the spotlight, has been begging to get traded out of San Francisco, and they now accuse his political stance as being self-serving is is that an optic that could be taken away by this Joan Allen?
5: for people who are moved by that I suppose I mean look what team is I take him I I stand for the national anthem because he has the right not to that doesn't mean that I agree with him choosing not to doesn't mean I agree with everything he says in fact I think what Dan just said was uh, was eloquent about the the use of the federal government to ensure the right to all-American. That said, he's got a right to do it, whether I like it or not. And I think that there are a lot of people who have treated him as though he doesn't have a right to do it. And uh, and uh, and I think that's troubling because it just shows an ignorance.
2: But of does, does the fact that he the, the fact he could he could have done this at any point in his career in San Francisco? Does it does does it take well, a, it to be worse?
5: I mean, I mean you we me at
2: Ferguson last year, he could have done it in the last season.
5: Well, the point that I'm saying about things being worse, like look at our look at our debates right now. Look how divisive our political world is right now. I mean like look at what when Donald Trump talks about African Americans, he says the blacks. I mean the 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 intensity of our politics right now, especially in terms of race and ethnicity and religion is so much more heightened than it has been at any time in my lifetime.
1: But, but, but
2: Alan Moore, it does beg the question, why now? You know, if you're going to make a political statement, do it at a time that isn't clouded by the fact that you're not performing, you're in a heated debate or in a heated argument with ownership about wanting to get traded, and you want to get
1: traded for more money. What is this got something to do with anything? Absolutely. I actually admire his timing. You do? Absolutely. Because he felt moved to do it even though it is contrary to his personal financial interest. NFL contracts aren't
0: guaranteed. That is important to note. The only thing you're guaranteed in the NFL is your signing bonus. After that, if you get cut, the check's no longer clear. That's so, what
7: for that. Yeah, formerly Chris Jackson.
0: A, right. A, a, a great player at the time, and he chose to sit during National Anthem uh, NBA games, and eventually the NBA came up with a – because he was actually a star, play, a star player at the time. not We're not talking Kaepernick level. A star player at the time. Uh, the NBA cut a deal with him and said, listen, you can stand and pray, you can stay in the locker room, but you may not stay seated. And it was the NBA rules to show respect for either the U.S. or the Canadian National Anthem, because there are, there are Canadian basketball teams, or at least a basketball team now. So that season was his last season in the NBA and never got picked up again he act he had the skills to play nobody wanted to touch him because he didn't want controversy this is the private is a private league as is the nba go ahead ahead congressman Congressman. He's trying
3: to say something and i'm interested in what his comment is go ahead admiral ken so three points um one uh, i'm 57 i've been in
7: uniform for the last 40 almost 40 years (laughs) spent my life um you know uh, learning that you know above all else you know, you, you show honor to the Constitution and the flag. So fundamentally, uh, when I heard the story, it, it was kind of, I had, I, had I had a visceral reaction to it. But then I stopped and I thought about it. So I've been in combat twice, and I defended this man's right to do what he did. I don't like it. I find it, I, I find it distasteful, but he's got a right to do it. And I guess finally, you know, when someone reaches deep inside, you know, to step away from the pack, to basically say, I'm going to stand up for something. You know, it's, 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 you know, whether they choose to do it last week, last month, last last year, it takes a, a tremendous amount of guts to do it. And I've been waiting for people like Paul Ryan to show the same kind of guts with regard to standing for Donald Trump.
2: Fair enough. But, you know, at the same time, though, John Allen, it, 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 the timing on this seems to be inappropriate. Is, is doing this during the national anthem when the rest of your team is standing African-American Hispanics... And this isn't about
5: race. I mean, it, it is... It is about race. He made it about race. Well, but... But it's not about him looking around at his teammates and saying, well, the white guys are standing, the black guys are standing, the Hispanic guys are standing. I mean, look, the timing is... It's it's the least of the, the worst. Well, first of all, nobody should care about this. At, at the end of the day... Right. The basic... The basic... Act of not standing has been blown completely out of proportion. But so you said he did it three times. It was the third time that somebody noticed. The first two times nobody cared. So now they notice and they say, "Why are you doing it?" And he tells them, "says so This is why I'm doing it." I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And I think Ken is absolutely right that, that, that you know whether you agree with them or not, um, you know that this guy is is taking a risk to stand out from the back. And look, we. We have done this with sports heroes in the past, with sports figures in the past, where they have been condemned for taking political positions. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is one of them. I don't agree with all Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Muhammad Ali. Muhammad Ali is somebody who was uh, convicted uh, for his refusal to go to war uh, and could have spent five years in in prison. But but here's the difference, though. Here's where I look
2: at, like, a Muhammad Ali and what he did and why I have a lot of respect for what Muhammad Ali did at the same time of Colin Kaepernick, which I don't have a lot of respect for, because, again, looking at it from, you know, a, a larger picture option, Muhammad Ali went out at the top of his game and did what he did, costing him possibly his entire career, costing him tons of money, costing him tons of reputation, t- causing him a bunch of financial hardships, and, took you know, having his licenses away, he did that, at a time when he was on top. Now, at a time when you're not on top, at a time when you're literally saying, I want more money or I want out of here. And now I'm going to take this opportunity to make a stance. To me, it sounds... not on
5: top. He's
2: not no. on top. And compared he's, not people top. he's
5: he speaking I mean, He's in the, in the top one-tenth of one-tenth of one-tenth, of, compared to all of us here, in the top one-tenth of, one-tenth of one-tenth of one-tenth of one-tenth of a percent. This man is on top. This man does have things to lose. This man has a reputation to lose, among other things. He will never play in
0: the NFL again.
1: He, he may not, and he's certainly not going to get the endorsements that he's had before. He has devalued himself right. by taking a very courageous I would argue, not the smartest, but that's something he'll but, but does despise, he? Does ask, this nothing to do with you know, where he does
4: is does this does the top perpetuate, of his game
2: or whatever? But else. there's another no, argument to
1: this. Does this is per, does it.
2: this perpetuate the race issue
4: in America? Justin, yeah. the race issue is a problem. Ferguson hasn't improved. I was there this past summer. It hasn't improved. We have problems going around the country. Haven't improved. We got Donald Trump. Race baiting everybody, to and he could theoretically become president of the United States. If you think that doesn't scare a lot of people, that
6: scares them shitless. No, I mean, the the yeah,
2: thank well, you. You, you the, the yeah. <laughs> No,
3: no, no. It, it's worth noting twice the vote strikes
0: back. Well, thing. Well, again, I also disagree with what he did. I, I would to the death for his right to do it, the great quote that is there, and, and people who honestly understand the country and the Constitution generally fall into that category. But if you also followed the backlash, and I'm not talking the mainstream treetops backlash. <laughs> if you've read literally any of it, if you Google Colin Kaepernick stuff, you don't have to scratch far below the surface to get the, by the way, he's become a Muslim, he wants to convert these <laughs> other things. The ugliness in response, is this is a hot, very high level in comparison to that response. All he has done, and again, I disagree with why he has done it in, in his approach. There are other athletes who have taken approaches, LeBron James, for example, or the beginning of the SEA, for right. example. I, 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 I that that kind I of agree it. with. You. But in this particular case, the attention that he has drawn and that level of ugliness, that that was not far below the surface. That came out instantaneously is also worth noting, and it, and that cost to him. And I suspect he's going to need security for a while, um, based on it. I mean, from it, local police,
1: who are the kinds of people he's been critical of. Th- this is also true. Mm-hmm.
7: To answer your question, Admiral is, Ken. To answer your question, has he perpetuated the race issue in this country? No, he has not. The race issue has been, in this country, it is it is, it is this country's greatest sin. It has been with us for the better part of the last 300 years, and unless, and, and, and unless we, as the American people, decide to do something collectively, it will be with us another 300 years. He has not perpetuated. What he has done in his extremely inarticulate, ill-advised, poor way has drawn attention to something that I think everybody around this table has talked about at length in several shows across the last year. Actually, because nope. we're talking about athletes and the Olympics in Brazil just passed,
0: in the closing ceremonies for the Olympics in Brazil, there was one item of many interesting things that occurred, but one item was re- that really jumped out at me. This showcase of of the nation, of Brazil, they actually mentioned in their display their history of slavery. We have never done that. They actually showed it was the the, 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 the and closing ceremony. ceremony the, the, the or, ornate fabric work that that slaves were allowed Brazilian slaves were allowed to do and sell for their own profit to actually acknowledge that not not just at a national stage on a global stage was a very amazing thing we didn't do that in Atlanta we didn't do it in Los Angeles we didn't do it in any other time the game has been held here and we talk about it in hushed tones except if you are talking from the elite. And Kaepernick, if he helps push that along, I'll take it. I don't think it'll succeed. But as as Admiral Ken mentioned, it's our original sin, but we don't deal with it well, and we don't deal with the history in the past, in the distant past, nor recent past well. We simply say that was yesterday and... and
7: go. That doesn't affect it's very It will so like, Date your cousin. I mean, <laughs> whoa, whoa, is, whoa! It, it, it is, and, and, and we it's not a fair sure there. Yeah, <laughs> we're so getting PG-13
0: rated.
2: All right. Well, with that being said, we're going to we're going to take, going to take a, a quick break. When we come back, we're going. Uh huh. Epinephrine. Epinephrine. Well, well, that can be your story. But we're going. To talk. We got we got primaries. We got the Debbie Wasserman Schultz, Marco Rubio, Depinephrine. Senator Depinephrine. McCain. What? I'm gonna argue awesome about
3: what we're going to talk about, let's shut up right now. We talk come about it. back. <laughs> this is
2: backroom politics very well said, Congressman. This is backroom politics from back uh, from Shelley's back room in washington, d c. We'll be back in one minute. Stay with us.
6: You know, everybody thinks
2: of Shelley's back room as a cigar spot in washington, d c. You know what the reality is? It is the cigar spot in DC. Where else can you grab a great cocktail made by world-renowned bartenders? Or where else are you gonna get the finest cigar list of any restaurant in all of Washington DC? And then, the great food. You come for the food. It can be the campfire wings. One pound of roasted, not fried, well-seasoned, marinated jumbo chicken wings
6: with choices of Shelly's
2: Honey Mustard or Blue Cheese or Ranch Dressing. These are award-winning wings. That's why you come to Shelly's. It's the whole package. You can drink, you can smoke, have great conversations with your friends, and have a great food menu. Shelly's Back Room. 1331 F Street in the heart of our nation's capital, Washington, D.C. You know what? It is the place to be. And we're back here live at Shelley's Room, 1331 F Street in the heart of our nation's capital, Washington, D.C. This is the best political plot show you never heard of. It's Backroom Politics Live on Block Talk Radio. Hey, we're going to take a look right now. Today, uh, it's Tuesday, which means that somebody's voting. And the votes happen to be going on in primaries in Arizona and Florida. The big races that everybody's got their eyes on right now are two key races in Florida, that being the re-election of Senator Marco Rubio, who came late to the game, and also the re-election.
0: never going to run again. Yeah,
2: that's, that's, that's the thing. And then the reelection also of former Democratic National Committee Chairwoman, Debbie Wasserman Schultz from Southeast Florida. Uh, The other big race is the primary going on in Arizona, where Senator John McCain has a serious, serious squeaker going on. Uh, John Allen, you've been following these races. John McCain, we've heard as late as this morning, will probably pull it out. But how much of a scare is this
5: for the veteran senator from Arizona? I mean, he's had that electoral scares before. Uh, I, You know, we'll have to see what happens tonight. I, I suspect he will win today. Um, he has a tough race in November, if he does, against Ann Kirkpatrick, who is a uh, back bench house member um, and <laughs> and once fled a uh, – the thing I'll always remember about Ann Kirkpatrick is during the Tea Party summer, she went to a Congress on Your Corner event at the local grocery store, and unimpressed by the people asking our questions, maybe a little worried about them, and <laughs> fled for a t- town hall event. <laughs> um, there was video of it looked terrible. Uh, I think I've never seen anybody do that I'll so. Uh But uh, look, it'll be a tough race for, for McCain in uh, November because he's boxed in. He can't disavow Donald Trump because a good portion of the Republican Party in Arizona likes Donald Trump, and particularly likes where he is on immigration, and at the same time, he can't hug Donald Trump because he's going to need some uh, independents some moderates in Arizona to vote for him. This is a, a bad situation for him, and uh, if he wins, uh, it will be not the, the toughest thing he's ever survived.
7: Right. Admiral Ken. He was interviewed this morning, and uh, he was he was asked this, he was asked this question specifically, uh, and, and he basically said, you know, I'm going to depend on the fact that people of Arizona know me, they know my service, and I, I think that's probably the only thing he really can do, being as boxed in as he is. But uh,
2: uh, Alan Moore, somebody who worked with Senator McCain in your time in the Senate, uh, this this is somebody who has gone from a shining star in the party to somebody who is now politically possibly in trouble, not just now, but in November.
0: Former it, standard bearer, let's be clear. Yeah, yeah, Republican I mean, this, nominee. Guy, this guy
2: was the all-star. Is, is this a wake-up call for the Republican Party come November as well? Is, there, is, is this the sign of a threat that they could lose, in fact, the Senate?
1: Well, yeah, it's a more a reminder that uh, we've had other reminders of this, that That's when you get to be 80 years old or so, you lose a little of your luster.
5: Ah, well, Congressman As Allen has the- found out. Yeah. <laughs> he's, not only is he not the first octogenarian in the Senate, he's about seventh on the list of uh, oldest members of, of the Senate right now. Um, it, it's not, it would not be all that unusual to see an 80-year-old. But, but, oh, no, no, no. I think he will win. I think he'll win by double digits today.
1: Um, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I think he'll win uh, in the fall. But the, the notion that um, you know he's not what he once was is, is a function of, of, among other things, his age and uh, evolutionary change inside the party. I, I think that uh, uh, that a, that a really interesting. Uh, Question is, if Trump loses big, which we, many of us continue to think that he will, will he carry uh, the, the Republicans down ballot with him? And there's a number of polls from the last week or so that show significant differences in some we'll of it. the key states between Republican Senate uh, in particular and, and House candidates who were thought to be in trouble, um, doing considerably better in these polls than Donald Trump. Now, we're a long way from the election. We don't know about turnout, um, but, but one of the things that, that Hillary Clinton, when she's so went after so aggressively Donald Trump, I, I'm not so sure it was the best move for her. I hope she doesn't devote, for her sake, that she doesn't devote a lot of speeches to that. Let Barack Obama talk about that. Let surrogates talk about that. But one of the things I see happening is, as they set Trump out, they try to say he's taking the party down this particular path, and other people in the party are saying, no, no, no. I I may vote for him, but I don't agree with him uh, on a lot of this stuff. The more, the greater the divide between Trump and. Republicans, the Republican Party, other Republican candidates, the better for those other Republican but candidates.
2: The, but, the, the, but this isn't the only race. As far as the Senate control is concerned, you've got Kelly Aon, who's got a very tight race in her in her uh, re-election campaign. Uh, you've got, you know, a possible tight one, but it seems to be breaking open, between the Democrat Ted, uh, Ted Strickland and the Republican Rob
1: Portman in Ohio. Uh there are several key races. There are key races. That, that, that's my point. And, and, and what the Democrats were hoping is that Trump would, drag, would, would be such a drag on the party that all those races would turn Democratic. But some polls, some recent polls have shown that, that, that at least insofar as the polls are concerned, there's some significant differentiation by those being polled between their feelings about Trump and their feelings about some of these Republican candidates.
5: John Allen. That's what congressional Democrats want. Hillary Clinton wants congressional Democrats to subordinate their interests to her winning, which is not an unusual thing. Barack Correct. Obama felt the same way. Yep. I don't think John Kerry felt the same way. <laughs> no, uh, not, not that. But, but look, I, there is a tension here between her desire to make clear how different Donald Trump is from Republicans in the, in the hopes of building the biggest electoral coalition she can and perhaps the biggest governing coalition she can, and the Democrats' broader desire to uh, have all of the votes sync with, with Donald Trump.
0: The Lipner. Well, it is, it is worth noting. I think uh, John's point is, is mostly accurate. But if you've seen from uh, the, the speech I mentioned from Hillary Clinton where she called out positively, uh, former Republican nominees were, were differentiating themselves from the racists. I don't want to say the racists of the party, just the racists in the room. Um, and Barack Obama this year jokingly, when it was on the Tonight Show, he was asked, you know, well, are, are you happy with the Republican nominee? And he said, well, as a Democrat, yeah, I'm great. I'm terribly happy about this. Then he followed up and said, this isn't good for the country. You need two functioning political parties. And consistently, I believe Joe, uh, Joe Biden has said something similar as well, that while as far as the down ticket voting, I promise you, if I was working on a House or Senate race right now, I would want to paint the entire Republican Party as the party of Donald Trump. But it does say something that the Democratic leadership the people here in Washington have— Said that this isn't the Republican Party that we know. I mean, it, it, it is arguably a gift that, will while helping the general election, will hurt down ticket. It. And it's also noteworthy. And, and a, a, I won't politically courageous might be overstating it, but still a worthy political thing to make note of that Republican that Donald Trump is such a deviation from any of the norm that even calling him a Republican it's a, is a
2: great, a it's a great
5: political message because that's the benefit of being true
0: yeah well that's true too but
2: I want to look at the uh, at the race for Senate in in Florida today Marco Rubio is in a primary race that everybody's expecting Marco Rubio will pull out but also could be close little Marco you see name calling again there you go but the big question is Marco Rubio ran for president said that he would not declare as a Senate candidate in re-election. And then, according to him and his camp, that Marco Rubio said that he was pretty much dragged in, kicking and screaming, to run for Senate again. That was court Well, that becomes <laughs> the question is, does Marco's rerun for the Senate perpetrate the accusation of... This is the political machine at work, and we as American voters don't have a voice, or is he answering to the call of the people?
4: Uh, let's go for machine, and not, not only are we going to go for machine, Penny's but we're going to go for the machine at the very top with Ryan's Priebus. Marco and Ryan have known each other for over 20 years now. We were all together in law school. Yeah, it okay. goes back to the U.M. days. All right. So that, that's how far this one goes.
2: All right, but Alan Moore, I mean, is, is is this bad optics for the Republican Party having Marco not only run but rewin
1: possibly that seat?
3: Bad optics? Yeah, I don't
1: see the bad optics. I see a you know <laughs> a great chance for for uh, for the Republicans to hang on to a Republican seat in Florida, yeah. and and the fact that that he. Walked away, sort of semi disappeared for a while. Ran for president, uh, lost. Uh, I found it interesting that that uh, that that the short fingered Dan would be ridiculing little Mario, Mario, but you know that that's what happens. Um,
4: <laughs> little, little Marco, little, little Marco.
1: Marco, little Marco, Did little Marco. And no. uh, okay. and, <laughs> and uh, but you know, there's all sorts of anomalies out there that we that we, that can amuse us. And, and grab our attention, but no, I think the Republicans are uh, uh, we're, we're, we're very nervous about Florida, and we're thrilled that that, uh, that Rubio is back in the race, and
5: I I'm guessing that he will prevail. So somebody he was a far better candidate than any of the other Republicans who were in the race, I, and he was a far better candidate than either of the Democrats. i got to tell you something. T- as, a, yeah. as a former member of the Florida Republican Party, i got to tell you something. We don't have a deep bench down there of anybody that can do it. But the two guys he's going to run against, potentially run against, al Grayson is— by anybody's life. <laughs> Unusual. <laughs> and that's being <laughs> polite. He's, been accused. Been, he's been accused of domestic abuse. Yep. He is hated by every Democrat who has ever come in contact with him. Harry Reid asked him to pull out of the race. Yep. Publicly, mm-hmm. and yeah. angrily. Yeah. Um, Steny Hoyer once asked him to go out on the floor and apologize to Republicans for something over the top he had said. <laughs> so he went out on the floor and he said, I apologize to Republicans essentially for not saying this more or sooner. Um, <laughs> he is it is hard to uh, overstate how despised he is in Washington by his own party, more so even maybe than Ted Cruz is by Republicans here. That's the one candidate on the Democratic side. The other one is a guy that has the same problems that Rubio has, but more exacerbated, too young, uh, no shows at jobs, things like that. Marco Rubio is a much better candidate than anyone in the again, field, and he will be reelected. Like, ag-
0: again, not a real deep political powerhouse down in Florida right now. Well, Florida can only produce one political star at a time. And it, <laughs> it, it, it's, I mean, it's, but, I, uh, I, I grew, grew up in Miami.
6: Graham, and no, no,
0: and Graham was the one star yeah, okay. at the time. And at, as time. governor and then as senator, he was yeah. the one star. Jeb was then the one star. Marco's star light, mm-hmm. but he is star-ish and the only one that... <laughs> well, There's another race going on down in Florida that we have to look at, and that
2: is the congressional district that takes up uh, part of Broward County, and that is the one that Debbie Wasserman
0: Schultz is in a heated battle. A district I used to work for the member of Congress who was in that seat prior to Debbie. Who's that? Peter Deutsch. Peter Deutsch. Oh, Uh, yeah, who then represented the Keys.
2: We'll
5: talk about that off there. Two things. Uh, Number one, I should mention that I briefly worked for the member that currently represents that district, Debbie Debbie Wasserman Schultz.
2: And that was what, about two seconds?
5: Uh, 40 days, all right now, well, two seconds. I call it a day. The
6: floods
2: came and they carried him out on a big flood water
5: wave. That was a special uh, Lenten experience. Right?
6: <laughs> <laughs>
5: <laughs> Every year, I tell my wife I'd like her to give it up for my wife. Uh, show. No. <laughs> Anyway,
2: Anyway. That being said, is, is Demi Wasserman Schultz, Dan Lindner, really in trouble?
0: No. Uh, I, the last numbers I've seen were a while ago, but she was still on my double digits. Uh, the uh, she, she deserves the, the, the abuse she's gotten uh, from...
4: Let's be careful about the words today. Apparently, apparently,
0: this is this has gone out of control. But no, no, keep going, Dan. No, 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 to she deserves verbal. she she deserves yeah. the, the, the 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 political abuse she's gotten from King Sanders, uh, and Sanders endorsed endorsed her opponent appropriately, since she had one job as the DNC chair, and that was to at least look as though she was playing it fair. And the emails that leaked. Um, proved that not to be the case. And that said, she's also not been well-loved within the Democratic establishment beyond that. So she's going to win. She's going to be fine. I suspect if she wins, that will be her last term because she will not be DNC chair again. And going back from the head of the Democratic Party to being a... A mid venture Democratic member of Congress is one hell of a step down. There, there, there is no place to point her to in the federal government. So I think, I think this is going to be her last election.
2: But Congressman Al, Debbie Wasserman Schultz obviously had had to see this through, even though the baggage that she's carrying from her time as chairwoman of the DNC. Uh, and the fallout of the DNC, actually her being removed and replaced by Donna Brazile, is, is this baggage that she's ever going to be able to shake again, or does she go to K Street in two years?
3: Goes to K Street in two years. Bottom line. I like
2: it. All in all, though, Alan Moore, when we talk about the down balance on both sides, I mean, we saw it with Debbie Wasserman Schultz and the and the disenfranchisement of Team Bernie. Uh, we're seeing the down-ballot possible effects of Donald Trump in Republican politics. Is, is, is this a wake-up call for both parties to start looking at, instead of looking at just getting elected, just getting elected, we've got to solidify ourselves and unify rather than elect, elect, elect? elect or is that even possible?
1: I don't know. I think, you know, this is the, the we're at that time, we're you know, traditionally, post Labor Day is crunch time, and it's going to be all about elect, elect, elect. And as as John accurately pointed out, Hillary's first, second, third through tenth priority is to prevail in her election. And after that, um, it would be nice to have some more Democrats in the Congress. Um, uh, and and as far as the Republicans are concerned, I think increasingly they're just Accepting the likelihood that Hillary will be will be president, and trying to figure out how to get people who are holding their nose to vote for Hillary, which many Democrats will do, and other independents and some Republicans, but then say I'm sh- I'm not happy with her. I'm sure not going to try to increase her congressional majority. That's the surprise of some of these polls from the last week. With,
2: with all that being considered, John Allen. He- it seems that both parties need to do a post-mortem after this election on how to solidify and unify in one shot. It, it seems right now that, it's particularly on the Republican side, that post is going to read like a toll <laughs> I mean, that thing's going to be a 1,000 pages of how do we unify again, and Democrats still have to make amends
5: for the Bernie situation. No, they don't. No,
2: they don't? don't? No.
5: The Democratic Party is, is historically unified. They are on the precipice of winning their third Consecutive presidential election. When was the last time that happened for the Democrats? Long time. Long time, right? Truman. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was the fifth, fifth straight, fifth straight <laughs> election. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, this is not territory that Democrats are used to being in, and there may be some uh, divide on, uh, you know, where they should head after an election. And I think, you know, one of Hillary Clinton's um, weaknesses as a candidate, and we'll have to see about governing, is that. She prioritizes everything, which means she prioritizes nothing, and it can be difficult to know what is that first thing she's going to do out of the box. Where is she going to put her capital? <coughs> and will it pay off because she's focusing it enough to get things done? And I think that will be a big uh, determinant of how successful she, she went. All right, crap. <coughs> okay, let's not get cocky
4: here. It's Dems. So, and the reason I said let's not get cocky is. I'm our, independent. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> the Dems should get cocky. Because I remember being in the House uh, right after uh, President Obama won, and we had both the House and the Senate. And while we didn't play well together, we um, we had our ups and downs. So if we don't do a post mortem on this one, we are shooting ourselves in the foot because we need to know how we can do something better and not repeat what we did
0: in 2009. Dan Lipner. The the, the the great quote, which has been true for at least my lifetime, I expect Congressman Al as well, it, when Will Rogers was once asked if he, if, if he a Republican or a Democrat, and he said I don't belong to any organized political party, I'm a Democrat. I am quite certain uh, if, if and when Hillary Clinton wins, we will instantly fracture because we are Democrats, and that is what we do. That said, we are also kind of used to it. We know how this mess plays out. The, the 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 punch the hippie strategy, as I believe was actually said at a press conference at one point from the Obama administration, uh, not wisely, but it, it 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 exists. So the the question is, so the left is the radical left is always there, and I'm talking even more radical beyond what Bernie Sanders stands for um they're always there they're always to be dealt with but we know how to deal with it it's not always easy It's a lot of work but it 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 is it, it is not a balance we are unaccustomed to dealing with the republican party i agree with you has a lot of work to do because they have a wild unwieldy horde that helped produce and forward donald trump that is uncontrollable but, and nobody has figured that one
2: but, out yet. But, Congressman, Al, there are some still in Democrats that I've talked to, particularly those from Bernie supporters, that say that there is still some healing that has to do in the aftermath of the DNC email scandal, that that they need to do some serious work in being all-inclusive of the far-left, the, the, the pro-Bernie team bringing them back in and unifying around not only a Hillary Clinton, but possibly a Democratic Senate. Is that even possible in the Democratic Party?
3: The Democratic Party has an enormous amount of experience doing things like that. And generally speaking, they pull it off uh, amazingly. Uh, So I'm, I'm not too worried about coming together. It's going to be rough. They're going to have fights, that, that, you know, the way, the way Democrats function. But I, I don't think it's going to be a killer. Admiral Ken, when you guys do your post-mortem, uh, a bit of
7: advice. And I know I've said before, totally post-mortem I told them for winning. <laughs> I,
4: I generally don't like
7: Democrats telling me how to be a better Republican. I will just share this with you. Don't put anything in email that you wouldn't let your mom read. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
5: True story. Like, <laughs> can I get a bit? Of a meeting for the meeting will be would
7: be But everyone. But, but, but the the biggest
0: difference, and this is a a, a word that Democratic Party has lived by for as, as at least my lifetime, and again, I don't want to speak for Congress Now here, is the party itself is a party of compromise. Like. Things that go through, everything, and just think about the, the major legislation that went through under Obama, from the stimulus package to Obamacare. These were not ideals from the left by any stretch of the imagination. Right. They were compromises internally. Now, do I wish they didn't happen as publicly as they did without maybe negotiating a little bit with the right? Absolutely. However, these were compromises that that worked their way through. The Republican Party has, there is a veto and a very loud veto from the extreme fringe. That is mean, why John McCain is in the box we were talking about earlier. He cannot cut off Donald Trump and those insane supporters because those folks have a veto arguably on his reelection. It the, is a hard place to be. Denise Kraft, i Congressman
3: Al first. Uh, Democrats have an ability of fighting like hell and somehow putting it back together. I I remember uh, in the 1930s there was a state democratic convention uh, in in my state, uh, and it got very, very hot. In fact, as Senator Magnuson, who was chairing the the party convention, said, it got so bad we had to call the fire department and sluice them out of the hall. And, and yet, the Democratic Party in Washington State is functioning very nicely. It has, it has, the Democratic governor who's going to be reelected, and uh, it's got more Democrats in the legisl in the Congress, uh, and so forth. So the Democrats are going to have big fights, big problems, and they'll solve them. That's it, it just happens.
4: And what happens in Washington D.C. is you have something called a unity breakfast where you're told beforehand that you put the steak knives down, you all show up, you all smile, you all eat, you all hug, and you leave together smiling. And that's how we do it in the Democratic Party. I'm not sure how you guys do it in the Republican side. I know how
3: the Republicans do it. They, they they do the same thing, and they put their arms around each other and they walk down the street. Now, you have to watch very carefully because about third of the way down the block, someone's head falls off. (laughs) (laughs) Well put, Congressman. Well put. Uh,
2: uh, Bottom line here, though, is looking downstream, Hillary's got an opportunity if, and say, she does one. Can the Democrats heal the wounds enough to lock arms and
0: guarantee a second term? No, no. Guaranteeing a second term? Whoa, that's that a that's no. a, a crazy statement. That's a crazy <laughs> statement to make. Um, you're uh, running for president or running for any office. Your your first term is about your second, but the presidency is only locked into two. So how you choose to not only run your government, but how who you appoint to where, how you handle the inevitable crisis. But of that requires a lot of unity, which right now there's still some deep wounds in the party. No, no, it requires leadership when. When George Herbert Walker Bush ran for president as, he, as Reagan's vice president, he he ran a, a, in a challenge primary. He 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 won his second term. He was challenged. This is a man who had a ninety some odd percent approval rating after leading the United States in the first Gulf War. That's part of the reason the 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 Democratic Candidates were referred to as the Seven Doors because none of none of the A team was willing to run. George Herbert Walker Bush, for his successful, arguably successful presidency, even though it was only four years, was challenged by the far right uh, that he was forced, in order for that unity, to have Pat Buchanan be his keynote speaker. For the convention in 1992, which arguably helped cost them the election because Pat Buchanan was pandering to the folks who are now Trump voters. And that was part of that unity. The Democratic Party hasn't had those kind of issues where we've had to play to that level of nonsense. It just isn't there.
5: I mean, then, come on. Well, Trump makes us Pat John Buchanan John. look like Margaret <laughs> Shakespeare.
7: <laughs> But I, Admiral but wow. I think though this time around, this time around, you guys might, so you, to, if, if if just if Hillary wins, uh, Secretary Clinton wins, um, you're now going to be faced with that fringe element that you just alluded to, uh, uh, the Congress that, because now you've got these Bernie people out there They're incapable of organizing. Bernie has
0: already but, showed himself. He, Bernie's organization is already fractured and lost personnel almost instantly. I. I'm sad to say I predicted this was going to occur,
5: and it already has. I think they'll be back. Okay. What I think think will happen is that when there's policy, if there's a Clinton White House and there's policy coming out of the White House, you will see a resurgence of the radical left uh, that will be be unhappy. Um, What you see right now is the kind of unity that you see in a campaign. Uh, The protests on the Democratic convention floor were put down by a whip team of Clinton people and Bernie Sanders people. Who were working out of the same boiler room to prevent problems after that first uh, ugly Monday this afternoon. Is, this
7: is virgin territory for you guys. It I mean, it, 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 yes, it is, Dan. So now you've had two two terms uh, with the Democratic president, and arguably, if you win, if you win this time around, you guys haven't been in this position since what we talked about a few minutes ago, at least sixty years. Well, while, while that is true, the and, I, and, and, and your point was the point he made the point earlier in the discussion that Pat Buchanan may have cost George Herbert Walker Bush the election because his his appeal to to that fringe element that we now see as uh, Trump acolytes. Now it's going to get turned. Now you've got to worry about Bernie Sanders people on the on the, uh, the next time, right? We all live in a in a place where where, where 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 we have at least one state that is
0: arguably in place. so we actually get to see the ads put up. I haven't seen a Donald Trump ad on TV yet, but I have seen Hillary Clinton ads on TV, and the stuff that we have seen it's not it's not national security, it's economic progressive stuff that Hillary has put up, and I haven't seen stuff like this in my lifetime. The left talking about what is arguably progressive economic taxation, making the top 1% pay, this isn't, I'm not paraphrasing, this is exactly what has been said, and this is money spent by the Hillary campaign. She is on the record with cash I'm not arguing on that. this stuff. I'm not that arguing. is absolutely an
1: outreach there. And before we blame Pat Buchanan uh, uh, for, <laughs> or, for, for George W. Bush's loss, Let's oh, not forget yeah. H. Ross Perot. Yeah, yeah. Who, yeah. Who, who was, was a bigger a so bigger one? It actually received real votes that almost most of which would have gone to, to, to uh, uh, George. George H. 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 I tried H. to get right. kicked out of the alumni association of Texas. It didn't work. Didn't work. <laughs> that,
2: well with that, we're at ten minutes left of the show, and that's time for my favorite part of the show. Tell me a story, where we talk about news innuendo, stuff we didn't talk about during the show. Congressman Al, tell me a on, story. I
3: have one. I think that When this is all over and and each party goes to its corner of the ring and tries to figure out what to do next, there will be some consideration. I don't think it will be successful, but some consideration in the Republican Party to come up with something that will not look like and have the name, but will be the same as uh, the Democrats' superdelegates. They've They've lost control of their party, and the reason they lost control of their party is because they, they weren't able to move in and and get control of the whole thing.
0: Interesting, interesting. Dan Littner, tell me a story. So for friends who follow me on Facebook, um, and I know uh, Admiral Ken is not a Facebook person, so I can only do this in person, but I, I have accepted a challenge, actually the second person to challenge me. Uh, th- it is the 22 push-ups for 22 days uh, challenge, and it, it is to to bring attention to the fact that 22 veterans a day take their own lives after the service to the country. Um, part of the the, the the challenge is also to, to video yourself and post it, uh, to say I do not look good doing this would be an understatement. Uh, <laughs> but that said, I, I have taken the challenge, and at, at this point I would like to challenge anyone under the age of 75, so Congress you you are all right. Uh, to join the 22 push-ups for 22 days. John account.
2: Allen and I are going to do the two push-ups a day, but we'll consider them 22. I think <laughs> and I
5: push-ups. you think you can do Do so to you? be in a row? No, no. no, 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 no <laughs> that, I, actually, that, there
0: actually are parameters for this. If you need to do the assisted push-ups, which is the push-ups from your knees. Or if you need to break it up. They call them assisted, though? That, that yeah. <laughs> there's, there's another term. There's, there's another,
6: there's another, there's another there's term there's that we will not. So
0: the only requirements are it's 22 per day if you need to break it up throughout the day. And to along the way, also, to bring in other people to, to the challenge in order to forward uh, this issue to, to bring more light to it. So that that, that Those are the only requirements.
4: I'm in. Oh,
7: God. I'm in all right anybody else dan i will gladly give up 22 of the few push-ups you know more that i, I mean, they, okay can you hey. tell me a story
4: on the military justice front there's something fascinating going on the air force is investigating a retired four star for um, sexual assault um, reasons a uh, female colonel has filed charges Folks, um, so this is one to watch a four-star general, regardless of service, has never been recalled to active duty to answer charges of sexual assault or sexual harassment. <laughs> if the Air Force recalls him on these charges, we're going to be setting some very interesting precedents. They're going
6: to have to, aren't
5: uh, yeah. they? Yeah, were they sorry. have to
2: Congress, right? Yeah.
6: Yes. They
2: will. Yeah. Uh, Alan Moore, tell me a story. Yeah. So.
1: there's this phenomenon that's occurring particularly in this in this uh, election cycle on Facebook where people are posting political stuff and destroying friendships Um, and and (laughs) because the feelings run so deeply a a week or so ago I accidentally almost share nothing but I do sometimes comment on crazy stuff that's posted that is just so factually wrong that I can't help myself that I'll call attention to it or call out people and this can be from the left or the right. So I accidentally shared something, uh, a story about the, the, the connections between the Clinton Foundation and the State Department. Um, and, and I didn't intend to share it, but somehow I did. And immediately I'm getting some responses from some Democratic friends saying, nothing happening here. Please move on. Ridiculous. Nothing which I don't agree with. Right. And then some Republican friends, these are mostly Southern California high school friends who are still around. They don't love Trump. They live in Orange County, but they hate uh, Hillary Clinton so much that, that they're certainly going to vote for Trump. And then a few of them are actually fans. And, and, and then they exaggerate on the other side by saying things like this is worse than Watergate. (laughs) I want to say to all my friends, you're both wrong people. (laughs) There's something here. This is not Watergate. But watch out for you folks on Facebook, because your friendships are at risk.
6: Oh, wow.
2: Admiral Ken, don't pass. Pass. I have nothing to really. say. Really. John Allen.
5: It's one time at band camp. Oh. <laughs> Leave the pooch alone. Leave the pooch and you know, you alone. Know is, you
2: know what's funny? Is, Congressman Al looking at you like, what? Is
6: going we'll
2: on here. Off we'll explain off there. I'll take that as a pass. Yeah. Hey, you know, you know what? It made news over the past uh, 36 hours. Uh, in case you missed it, over the weekend, uh, Anthony, don't call me Dick Wiener, has been caught sexting <laughs> ah, again. That's not a
5: nickname for
6: Anthony. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> darn <laughs> it. <laughs>
5: Anthony Weiner, former
2: congressman from New York City, has been caught sexting again, which has caused his wife, Luma Aberdeen, key insider with the Hillary camp, key key confidant of Hillary herself, to actually pull the plug, pull the ripcord, and now separated officially from her now soon-to-be ex-husband. Bizarre, bizarre situation. Another key story. We were talking about the Ohio race.
1: There's a child involved.
2: Oh, there's yeah. a child. Well, oh, never Wait,
5: let's, let's be, Very sad. Let's be clear about that, though. I mean, there is a child in the photograph. There's no indication that he was doing it. No no no, 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 no. There's, there's
1: a child in this family. Oh, yeah. 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 Who is an innocent victim of, oh, of all, all of it of that's gone on. Correct. This, correct. The, and and the they the have had their
2: pride. Horrendous,
1: inexcusable. Behavior.
2: It's inexcusable. And, and and the other interesting story coming out of Ohio, uh, we talked about the Ohio race before. The reality is that the Democrats are starting to concede a little bit that Rob Portman is going to be the next senator from Ohio. It was announced today or yesterday that a key Democratic super PAC was pulling all of its media money out of Ohio, citing the fact that they need to divert their money to other issues which is surprising. This is good news for Rob Portman. Uh, that pretty much covers it for today. Sorry for the broken show. I'll get back in the groove next week, but on behalf of Congressman Al Swift, uh, Dan Littner, Denise Krep, Alan Moore, Admiral Ken Carradine, and New York Times bestselling author Jonathan Allen. And the pooch. In the pooch I'm, your, <laughs> I'm your moderator, Justin Russell. We will be back next week with my God, I hope, another controlled episode of the best political talk show you've never heard of, Backroom Politics, live from Shelley's Backroom, 1331 F Street in the heart of our nation's capital, Washington, D.C. Al for Bob. The place to be. Absolutely. You can follow us on our website, www.backroompolitics.org. You can follow us on our Twitter account, Backroom Politics. You can also follow us on Facebook, and you can also follow our commentary on the app Sidewire. We'll be back next week. Have a great week, America. Bye-bye. is backroom politics.